care of things this morning, and uh, they're doing a great job, aren't they? A great job. Well, this morning we're in uh, we're in week two, and as they go ahead and, and take up that offering, we're going to uh, begin with week two of our series, Green Thumb. Um, I invite you to grab your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter four. It's where we're going to be. Uh, hopefully, you brought your Bibles with you. If you did not bring your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to do that. Bring your Bibles so you can take notes and learn where things are. And uh, you can grab a blue Bible somewhere close to you if you didn't bring your Bible and turn to page 407. Excuse me, 709. Sorry. 407 is probably a great passage as well, but today we're going to be looking at, at Mark chapter 4 and page 790, and so I invite you to turn there. Uh, in this series, we're looking at a, a story that Jesus told, a story Jesus told about gardening, but what we have found and what we'll continue to find out is that this story really had very little to do with gardening and had a lot to do with life, and that's what it was all about. And so what Jesus would do was, in, in a story, he would take something that People knew something about, in this case it was gardening or farming or, or you know, taking care of sheep, and he would compare it to something that they didn't know a lot about, which would be, let's say, God. And so Jesus would take that and compare the two things. And in this particular parable, which a parable is simply a, a story with a lesson, and, and there's some notes on the back of your bulletin if you want to follow along and fill in a few blanks, we invite you to do that. A parable is simply a story with a lesson, and in this one Jesus compares a garden to your heart this different type of soil to your heart. Uh, Jesus puts it in these words, and we're going to read from Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. It says these words. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Last week we talked about how when some of that truth was shared, that it falls on hearts that are like concrete, a hard path, and it cannot penetrate, it cannot get through. And we know what God has to say about truth in our life, and yet we're closed off to that. We don't want to have anything to do with that. We just kind of reject it, and our hearts are hard. And as the story goes, eventually the truth disappears, and it's not offered anymore. Now, if you'll remember, last week we ended with two questions. One question relatively easy, one maybe not so easy. The first question was, are you looking for God's truth in your life? Are we truly looking for it? And I have to imagine that, that for most of us here today, the answer is going to be... Yeah, mostly, right? We're mostly looking for God's truth in our life. Either that or you probably wouldn't be here. I mean, I doubt you come to church just because of the coffee and the comfortable chairs, right? Uh, there's, there's something else there. there. There's another reason why we come. And so we know that probably we're not hard-hearted. And as we talked about last week, we're not hard-hearted in every area of our life, right? Just those certain areas of our life. Second question that, uh, that I want to ask is, are you open to God's truth for your life, even if it's different than you thought? And that's a tougher question. What if something God says is different than what you thought it should be or different than you want it to be? Are, are we, what are we doing with that? And, and because of that, sometimes we have hard hearts and we close off what God has to say. And today, we're going to look at a second type of soil, a second condition of our heart. And we're going to read, again, just one, a couple different verses. Look at verse 5 again in that very same passage, Luke chapter, or excuse me, Mark chapter 4, verse 5. It says, some fell on rocky places 
where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was so shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they have no root. Now, I want you to remember a couple of things. We talked about this last week. There's some blanks there. Remember that the farmer in this story represent who? Not everybody at once. Say God, but not everybody at once. Ready? The farmer represents God, right? Okay. And so we know that in this story, anytime it refers to the farmer, that we're talking about God. And, and the seed represents the word or truth. Okay? So th- that's what that represents. Anytime we hear that. And the soil represents the different conditions of our hearts. We have different conditions. Each of us may be in a different spot. And it represents the different conditions of our heart. And Jesus' focus in this parable is on your heart. In the part of the story where he, he describes this as being shallow and as being rocky, and, and we could draw all types of application on those two words alone, but, but we're not going to. Because if, if you notice, last week, Jesus didn't really spend a lot of time talking about what happened there with, um, with the, the story. In a lot of Jesus' parables, I should say it this way, in a lot of Jesus' parables, he told the parable and then just kind of let it sit there. But in this case, Jesus said, hey, I want to explain to you what it really means. Because they ask him, you know, hey, Jesus, what are you talking about? And so he explains it to them. And so if you jump down to verse 16 in this same passage, passage of Mark chapter 4, he gives the explanation. He says, Other, others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. I want to break this into a few different phrases that, that we can look at this morning. The first phrase is this, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. In other words, your heart's not hard to the truth. You are willing to receive the truth, specifically the truth about Jesus. You receive the truth that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. You receive the truth that Jesus wants to forgive you of your sins. And when we hear a truth like that, we're like, hey, I'm in. That sounds great. Sign me up for that, right? We, we all want that. You receive it with joy. You're excited. You have conviction, and you, you have happiness, and, and you experience all these different types of emotions. And to go with our story, it grows. The seed grows and things are going well for you and changes take place in your life. You're experiencing hope and joy and, and, and the things are, are happening. You start to see the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You see those things happen in your life and, and real growth is taking place. But, and that little bitty word has big ramifications, doesn't it? Anytime you, you see that, it, it, the, a lot hinges on that. Things can go one way or the other because after the but, you wonder what's going to be. Good news, bad news. What's Jesus going to say? This whole passage changes when Jesus uses the word but. He says, but since they have no roots. Any gardeners out there really would call themselves a gardener? Anybody? A few? Okay. What happens if a plant has no root? <laughs> Somebody's waving. Bye-bye, right? gone, right? If there's no root system, it's not going to last, is it? That next phrase, but they last only a short time. And the reason is because of persecution and difficulties come, they fall away. Now, I want to pause, take a time out for just a second. And something we need to remember about this parable. Jesus' focus is not on the farmer. It's not on the seed. It's on the condition of the soil, the, the condition of our hearts. Last week, we didn't even really talk about the birds that came and ate the seed from along the path. Why? Because, well, lots of reasons, but Jesus didn't focus on that. That's not the primary focus. Jesus' focus was on the heart, was on the soil, the condition of 
the soil. You see, in both these situations that, that we're looking at, we see that the truth is sown. And the variable in the story is how the soil, how the heart receives it. The, the things don't cause it, right? The birds didn't cause the ground to be hard. It was hard before the birds showed up. And so here we want to see that the, the sun didn't cause the withering and the falling away. The condition of the heart is what does that. It's shallow. And it's important for us to remember that, that Jesus' focus is not on the circumstances that we're going to talk about. Jesus' focus is on the heart. And we always need to keep that in mind as we go through this. So what does the sun represent? Well, Jesus tells us what it represents. It represents persecution and trouble. Well, what does that mean? Well, trouble, if you want to fill in the, your blanks there, trouble means to be pressed or crushed, to be stomped down. Okay, That's what trouble is in, in this context. And persecution is almost identical. In, in the Greek, it translates to pursue, to press forward, to prosecute, or to be hostile. Hostile, that's a word we like, right? Hostile, persecution, hostile. Literally, these words mean that, that someone or something is seeking you out to tear you down and to destroy your faith. Now, it's not just any kind of, of persecution or, or trouble that Jesus is talking about. He gives a very important qualifier that we can't miss. We have to take note of this. He says why persecution comes. Did you, did you notice that? Look at verse 17. He says, because of the word. Persecution comes because of the Word, because of the truth, because of Jesus. That's why the persecution comes, because of Jesus. And because of Jesus, they quickly fall away. I think this is something people miss. I think I've missed it in my life at times. And I know people like this, maybe you do too, people that are, are very quick to call whatever's happening in their life persecution. Do you know people like that? They're just always being persecuted. I got fired from my job today. It's, I'm being persecuted because I'm a Christian. No, you got fired from your job today because you stink at your job, all right? My neighbor doesn't like me because I'm a Christian. No, your neighbor doesn't like you because you're a jerk, right? We have to be careful not to call stuff persecution that's not really persecution. The persecution Jesus is talking about comes because of the Word, because of Jesus, because of what He means and what He means to you in your life. Jesus is is sitting in a boat. Remember, if you go back and, and read what's happening, the people are pressing forward on him and he gets out on the boat and they're sitting on the shore listening to what Jesus has to say. And there's all kinds of different people from young to old. And, and the reality is that some of these believers, people who become believers, their children and grandchildren, if they choose to follow Jesus, you know what happens to them? They're going to be persecuted in a huge way. It's historical fact that that's what happened. Some of them are going to be used as tiki torches. Roman emperors during the garden park. They're going to light them on fire. Others will be thrown to lions because they refuse to deny following Jesus. Still others are going to be nailed to a cross just like Jesus because of Jesus. That's the persecution Jesus is talking to. We can't forget who Jesus is talking to. And that's what they would have experienced. Again, another time out. Uh, it's important that, that we understand something about church history. Because Every time persecution and real persecution has broken out against Christianity, against the church, you know what happens? Christianity grows. It expands. It, it, it gets bigger. It's why, why I don't get too caught up in what government thinks about what I believe. Okay? I don't get too caught up about who's in charge of what. I don't get too caught up in what they're going to pass or what laws they're not going to pass and all that stuff because if, if the church really starts to experience some persecution, it's going to be like that dandelion that's in my yard, 
that has gone to seed. And whenever persecution comes, you know what it's like? It's like kicking that dandelion and expecting it to go away. You kick that, and what happens? Well, you've got a lot more dandelions to deal with, right? Same thing happens with the church. When the church is persecuted, it grows. You fast forward 2,000 years, and I have to look at where we are today in our context here in central Jersey, and, and what does trouble and what does persecution really look like for us today? Because I would venture a guess that most of us are going to leave here today, and no one's going to hold a gun to our head and ask us if we believe in Jesus, and if we say, yes, they're going to kill us. I just doubt that's going to happen. It happens in other parts of the world, but I don't think that's going to happen to us today. Oh, we may have people mock us and make fun of us and give us a hard time and about what we believe. They may disagree with us and send us nasty emails and, and get down on what we believe and, and try to cause division. And, and sometimes that even happens within the church. But that's really not persecution. That's just kind of a pain, right? The persecution and trouble takes on a different application for us. It, it, it's, it's something different. And I, and I think it's something that each and every one of us will probably face in our life. And I'm going to propose that it's, that it's this that I think what we face a lot in our society, in our culture, in our time today is this, that persecution is any time that we have to make a value decision between Jesus and anything else. And not so much persecution, but just trouble and difficulties. Whenever we have to make a value decision between Jesus and anything else. That's, that's what it means in our context today. And, and here's what I mean by that. I think that for the most part, we're good with Jesus as long as everything's good. We really enjoy being a Christian and being a follower of Jesus as long as things are good. But when following Jesus begins to start to interfere with maybe what we would consider real life, that's when the condition of our heart, that's when the soil really starts to show what it's all about. It comes in forms of statements that, that I've heard people make. Statements like, well, I love Jesus, but this is business. I love Jesus, but waiting until we get married? Come on, it's, it's a different era. I love Jesus, but I can't take that kind of risk. I love Jesus, but I really think he wants me to be happy instead. I love Jesus, but this marriage is way too difficult. I'm, I'm done. I love Jesus, but, man, I really have to get a good grade and pass this test. Because our choices reveal what we really, really value in spite of what we say we value. Can I offer this, and this is a, you know, a little scary, <laughs> but if you really want to know what I think, don't listen to me. Watch me. I say I value my health, but watch me, eight, eight to, watch me eat eight to ten cookie dough balls when Michelle's making cookies, right? Not that I would ever do such a thing like that. I say I, I value my children, but watch it and see if I choose to spend time with them or with other people doing other things. What do I really value? You have to watch. And, and the same is true with Jesus. I, I can stand up here and tell you I love Jesus more than anything else and, and anyone else, and, and I'll do whatever he calls me to do and let the chips fall where they may, but honestly, you have to watch to see if that's true, to see if, if I'm really willing to turn it over to him and be obedient to him. And I think that's true in all of our life. We... we we are revealed, the, the condition of our heart, the soil is revealed whenever we're faced with choices. And, and at that particular moment, we, we demonstrate what we're valuing most. That's just the way it is. You see, we can't blame the circumstances for the condition of our heart. 
the circumstances simply reveal the condition of our heart. For a bunch of us, when following Jesus becomes difficult, when it becomes hard, a lot of times we just kind of fade away because we had no roots. And I've got to tell you, if you're here today and you're kind of new to this Jesus thing, maybe you were dragged here this morning because it's Mother's Day, you know, or, or something, and, and you're not, you know, just kind of checking this whole thing out. Can I tell you that a relationship with Jesus is hard? <laughs> Don't come into this blinded, right? This is hard sometimes. It, it really is. It, it's very difficult. It, it might be just easier to say, forget it. I, I'd rather not. But can I also tell you that it is worth it? It's worth every step. It's worth every trial. It's worth everything because of what Jesus wants in your life, what God wants to do in your life through the Holy Spirit, through His Son. It's worth it, every step of the way. We just have to be willing to take that step. Jesus told us it was going to be tough. Look at what it says there in the text. It says, when trouble or persecution comes because of the Word, they quickly fall away. And I've got to tell you, that's a little, little bit scary because there's a lot of religious baggage that can be attached to that right there. What does fall away mean? Well, fall away literally translates to stumble or to be offended. Remember we talked about being offended last week? You know, it, Jesus it uses the word here, scandalizo. It's from the word scandaleon, and it's where we get our word scandal or scandalous. It also can be translated as a stumbling block or a tripping up. And for some of us, whenever we face persecution or difficulties or troubles, we start to get offended and we start to get tripped up and we start to question. I want to try to explain it this way, just a, a few phrases and statements, uh, things like this. I didn't realize that following Jesus meant I had to examine my sexuality and put it under his authority. That offends me. Or phrases like, I didn't realize that following Jesus meant I had to love those types of people. I didn't realize that following Jesus would actually impact how I do business. I did not realize that following Jesus meant I had to change my life in some way. That really offends me. You see... The condition of the soil is revealed by the, that time when the rubber meets the road. Whenever we have to, to show that, that there are things, maybe, and there are situations and circumstances in life that we value more than we value Jesus. And if that's the case, it becomes very evident. So let, let, me, let me say this. It, it, it means that whenever we stumble, we stumble because we've made a value judgment for something other than Jesus. So when we do that, does that mean that we've fallen away, that we've stumbled and we're no longer a child of God? Well, I, I certainly hope not, or we're all disqualified, right? Or just me. I don't know. No, it, it means that, that we need to understand that we will stumble and different things. It's interesting here that Jesus is called a stumbling block. Did you realize that? Jesus is called a stumbling block. He's the scandaleon. Jesus is scandalous. In Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14, there's a prophecy about Jesus, and it says this, He will be a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Here's the tension that I wrestle with, and I, I hope you wrestle with this maybe a little bit too uh, as you're here this morning. Here, here at PCC, we do uh, the best we can to try to remove all these obstacles, don't we? We try to remove obstacles for people so that they can get to God. We try to remove all the, the stereotypes and all the religious ease speak. We try to remove this empty religion. We try to remove all that stuff so that people can, can get to Jesus. We don't want them to stumble to get to Jesus. And yet, there's one stumbling block that we will, we will not and, and we cannot ever remove, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will always be here. 
He's what we're going to talk about. He, he is what we're going to focus on. And can I tell you, Jesus can be offensive. He gets in the way sometimes. I, I've had people say over the years, you know, I really love church. I really like the music. I, I love the application for my life. But, but I'm not so sure about this whole Jesus is the only way to God thing. That seems a little narrow-minded. That seems a little, you know, exclusive. And I, I'm just not so sure about that. And I just have to, to lovingly say, you know what? Okay. Because Jesus said that would offend people. The thing about it is, for me, and hopefully for you, that if Jesus truly is the way, the truth, and the life, and if no one comes to the Father except through Him, and if, if He's truly called us to love Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength, then I believe that the most cruel and offensive thing that I could say to anyone is, it doesn't matter. That Jesus doesn't matter. Just push Him to the side. It's okay. To me, that would be so offensive. We have to tell them the truth because Jesus is of ultimate importance. He is the significant thing. The most loving thing I could ever do, the most loving thing you could ever do is simply point someone to Jesus and ask them to just work it out between the two of them. To work it out with Jesus. To, to settle it with Him. What are you going to do with Jesus? Jesus said this in, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 6. It will be on the screen behind me. He said, Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. And the word he uses there for fall away, scandalizo. Blessed or fortunate is the person who does not get offended by me, who does not get tripped up by me. And do you know who Jesus said that to? It's very interesting. Jesus said that to John the Baptist. He told John the Baptist that. John the Baptist was the one that baptized Jesus. John the Baptist was the guy who had all of these disciples following him. And when Jesus came along... He said to his disciples, hey, whoa, whoa, don't follow me. Follow this guy. I can't even hold this guy's sandal. He's the Messiah. He's the one. Go follow him. Go, go, go. That's what, that's what John the Baptist did. That's what he said. And so whenever you think about John the Baptist, you've got to think about a guy who, whose heart was in the right spot, right? He had good soil. Well, not right now he didn't. If, if you look at Matthew chapter 11, we find John in prison. And he's been there for about 10 months. And the reason he's in prison is because of Jesus. He was speaking the truth that Jesus had taught, and that landed him in prison. And now John is maybe starting to get a little persecuted, a little tripped up, a little pressed in because of what's happening. And look at what he says, Matthew 11, verse 2. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? I find that fascinating. John is the guy who baptized Jesus, sending people to follow Jesus, and now, and now John is the one who's asking, are you the one? <laughs> or should we expect someone else? John's in prison. He, he, was, he was there, and he had to be wondering, evidently, at this point, are you the guy? I, I thought so, but I'm not so sure right now. He was in prison because of Jesus. And the thing about John was, he knew the Old Testament he knew all the prophecies. He knew about the Messiah. He had all that stuff memorized. And yet, he was questioning and he was asking. You see, he knew this. He knew that the, the Old Testament Messiah, the, the one that they talked about, was going to be doing three things primarily. He was going to be healing the hurting people. Right? That's one of the things he was going to do, was healing hurting people. Another thing he was going to be doing was helping the poor. Third thing he was going to be doing was setting prisoners free. Now, you're John the Baptist. Which one of those are you interested in? Give him door number three, Johnny. Right? He's looking for setting the prisoners free. Look at Jesus' response, Matthew 11:4. 4. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. 
The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And good news is preached to the poor. Notice anything missing? I bet you John did. I bet you John noticed what was missing. So did this little detail just kind of slip Jesus' mind? Oh, forgot about that one. No, I think Jesus was sending a very intentional message. I think he was asking John, hey, are you going to follow me? Even if that means you get your head cut off, which, by the way, is what happened to John. Because of the truth, he was beheaded. Will you follow me when it gets really difficult? Will you, will you follow me when things start to press in around me? Will, will you follow me? Will you follow me when it's all crashing down around you? Then will you follow me? When the disciples got back to John and told, Je- told John what Jesus had said, they went through the list. He came to, to heal the sick. Yes. He came to, to help the poor. Yes. And? Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. I think John got the message loud and clear. And here's what I think is very interesting. I think that John's faith was driven deeper and it became richer and fuller because of what Jesus said. You see, in my life, my experience has been there's nothing like a little difficulty. Nothing like a little pressing, a little bit of uncomfortableness to make you really think about what you believe, to make you think about what's really important. Anyone else experience that as well? What do you really value? You see, at least for me, a lot of times in those really difficult situations, I learn a lot about me. (laughs) I learn a lot about God. And even through our failure, even through our, our stumbling. Can I encourage you that that God can use those things to deepen your faith? Falling on your face can actually be a strengthening thing if you allow it to be. If you learn from that and and you realize that God's grace is there for you, because God's grace is amazing. The Holy Spirit will help pick you up and draw you near to God. It's been true in my life, and I know some of you it's been true in your life. I would venture to say it's true in most of our lives if we're willing to look at it and admit it. It was true in the characters of the Bible story after story after story of of them failing and and God restoring them. Guys like Peter, you got to love Peter because Peter didn't just deny Jesus once. He denied him three times, right? Peter was a hot-tempered guy. you got to like Peter because Peter didn't have this filter we talked about a while back. He just said whatever he thought, right? And because of that, it got him in trouble often. Peter was always saying something and and problems were developed and, and all these things and he failed and he failed and he failed and yet he was restored. And I think through those failures and through God's grace in his life, it challenged him and it caused him to grow deeper and deeper in his faith and in his relationship with the Lord. And I'm guessing that's why many years later, Peter wrote in reflection of his life these words, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. These have come that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by a fire, may be proved genuine. And make in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Persecution, trials, troubles, they can even have a refining effect in your life if you will allow them to. And much like gold, gold becomes pure when? When it's heated, when it's hot, 
when all the impurities are taken out. And, and I have to believe that if gold could feel and gold could speak while it's going through that process, guess what it would say? Stop! Because it's uncomfortable. It's not a pleasant experience, but the result is pure gold. And I have to think that Peter here is comparing faith to gold. And he's saying if you'll allow it to, it can have this refining effect in our life. Even when we fall, if you bring it back to the, to the garden, the soil that is rocky, it gets tilled, right? Soil that is, is not healthy and is not good, what happens? It gets tilled and, and the rocks get removed and, and it, all this stuff starts happening to it and it's, it's treated. And, and I have to think if the soil could cry out, it would cry out, stop! Have you ever just cried out, stop to God? I'm done. I've had enough. And yet it's a refining effect. If we'll allow it to be. If we will allow God to work through us. And so I have to ask you this question. What's pressing against you today? What's causing you to stumble? What decisions are you facing? What are you tempted to choose over Jesus himself? Undoubtedly, in a crowd this size, that you may be sitting there going, it's not what I might choose, it's what I've already chosen. It's what I've chosen again and again and again. The value decisions we've made, we've taken, and, and we've, we've done over Jesus. and We've done it time and time again. My question for you is this, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to allow it to cause you to fall away? Are you going to allow it to make you stronger? And allow it to, to make you deeper? See, the amazing part about what we get to do here is we get to offer God's invitation to you through His Son, Jesus Christ, His grace, His love, His forgiveness in your life to restore you, to, to take that really bad situation, that really bad choice you made, whatever it is, and to refine you into who God wants you to be and who He designed you to be, the relationship He so wants for you. Maybe today you need to turn your life over to Him for the first time and you need to take some of those refining things and and really put them to good use and not let it get you down, but let it draw you closer and make you strong. Maybe today you just need to talk to somebody about what's going on in your life. Maybe you just want somebody to pray with you. We have a time of invitation, a time of decision that we invite you to participate in. If you want to talk to someone, I invite you to make your way over to the cross as we sing this song. Stand with me. If you want to talk to someone, you head to the cross and we'll meet you there.